It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everybody, Dan Lobby here. Welcome to our Browns postgame podcast. I am joined as always by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great, Dan. How you doing? Doing well. Of course, we're going to be bringing in our Football Insider subscribers here in a little bit uh, following the Browns' 22-17 win over the Philadelphia Eagles. They are now 7-3 and three on the season. Uh, you're going to hear from Doug Lane Maurice. You're going to hear from Scott Patsko, everybody else. But Mary Kay, before we get to all that, let's just start with that 7-3 and three mark. Uh, it's Thanksgiving on Thursday, and the Browns are in second place in the AFC North. They are every bit in the playoff race. By the time the dust settles today, they, I would imagine they're going to be in the top seven. Uh, if they're not, they're going to be real close. So th- this is where you want to be if you're in the NFL Thanksgiving week right in that hunt. Absolutely, 100%. And when you think about it, they still have six games left and they already have seven victories. And three of those games are coming up against some uh, really, really beatable teams, including next week's game in Jacksonville. Then they've got the two games in New York. Uh, Again, nothing's ever really a gimme, but they should win those games, especially now with their two-headed monster of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt uh, that can be unstoppable when you get to the fourth quarter. So I would have to say uh, that they're looking really, really good for the playoffs. Now, last week when they got done with that game, they were still on the outside looking in. Well, that'll change this week. They're going to be one of the top seeds, I believe. Did Baltimore lose today, Dan? Baltimore lost. So the Browns are in second place. Yeah, The Browns are in second place. So, uh, you know, so they are, uh, they already are one of the top seven seeds right now. And, uh, and I think it's going to remain that way over the next uh, several weeks. I, I think that Browns fans can start to get really, really excited about the fact that this team is going to snap that 17-year playoff drought. And I don't think I'm putting the cart before the horse right now. I really do think uh, that this team has a great chance uh, of getting at least 10 victories now and possibly 11. And I mean, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to take 10, but they're, they're going to win at least 10 games, I believe. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely not getting ahead here. This is legitimately a team that should. I mean, at this point, honestly, we we've reached the point now where if they don't make the playoffs, it's going to be a disappointment. That's where they're at. And I think today, and and this kind of leads us into probably the story of the day. Uh, they did it without their best player. Miles you know, Garrett was sitting at home, live tweeting the game, sending out uh, photos from uh, from Remember the Titans. Uh, in celebration when uh, Olivier Vernon was getting sacks, Olivier Vernon with the hat trick, and more importantly, the safety uh, as part of that hat trick. 
and just a really impressive showing by this defense um, without their best player. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and that was huge. Uh, defensive line coach Chris Kiffin called upon uh, his other players, the other players on this team to step up and make a play. That was his quote. And you know what? They took it personally. They really did. I mean, they uh, decided that with Miles sitting at home with COVID-19, that they were going to uh, come up with big play after big play after big play. And they did it. And they knew there were going to be opportunities against Carson Wentz. He holds the ball really, really long. And he did that again today. Uh, and he's just prone to turnovers. He's prone to sacks. He's been sacked. He was sacked 35 times heading in. They sacked him five times today. Uh, so from a matchup standpoint, uh, these guys just knew uh, that, you know, they could lick their chops and it was probably going to be uh, everybody that was hungry was going to get a chance to eat today. Uh, and, and they did. Sione Takitaki, the pick six, thanks in large part to Denzel Ward blitzing and hitting Carson Wentz. Uh, you had Olivier Vernon, who's only had two sacks so far this season, getting three sacks, including one in the end zone uh, for a safety. You had uh, the forced fumble on their opening drive. I mean, they had the momentum on that first long drive of theirs. Uh, they get all the way down to the four, and, uh, and the Browns forced them to fumble, and then they recover. So uh, it was just one big play after another, by this defense again, three takeaways, five sacks without Miles Garrett. Now, a lot of you out there turning on your video, you want us to see you, and I want to see your smiling faces as well. Uh, but just so you know, uh, if, if you could hold off just a little bit till we get past this segment, um, we, we do this as kind of a post game analysis video on our Browns YouTube channel uh, with, with Mary Kay and me. So if you can hold off just a little bit once we're past this segment, I want to see all of your uh, smiling faces after a Browns win, but just give us a couple of minutes here before, before you turn that video back on. I'm glad to see everyone eager to get involved though. Uh, Mary Kay, let's talk about the run game. I thought it was really impressive today and really just all about who Kevin Stefanski is that this is really the first time that somebody stepped up and stopped the run. And, you know, there was some thinking that maybe the Eagles, look, the Eagles run defense is pretty good. They, Really, most of the yards they've given up, their bad games have been because of end arounds, things like that, kind of tricky stuff. But just straight up against running backs, they've been pretty good. And it showed today in this one. But a credit to Kevin Stefanski, again, in not ideal conditions to throw the football, although it wasn't real windy out there. Um, credit to him for just sticking with that run. And then we see the spectacular run by Nick Chubb and then a spectacular finish by Kareem Hunt, who really, I mean, 13. 13 carries, 11 yards for Kareem Hunt, but probably one of the more spectacular plays of the day, hurtling his way into the end zone. So this was sort of an identity game, I think, for Kevin Stefanski in this offense. Like, we're built to run the football, and we're just going to keep trying to run that football uh, until something finally breaks. Yeah, you know what? They had 18 yards in, in the first half, and I think that's a little bit of a trend that we're starting to see with, with these guys is – Um, They're just going to come out and wear a team down in the second half of a game. And that's going to serve them well in the rest of the season, in the, uh, in the two more home games that they have, that will be bad weather games, potentially uh, in some of the other games that they have in New York, that could uh, potentially be uh, weathery games. So, um, so they, they've got this two headed monster and that two headed monster really came through for them on that touchdown guard, because that provided the game winning points, Nick, breaking free the stiff arm, uh, that long run, that home, he's a home run hitter. And he did it again. Uh, he ended up with in the first half, he only had 
a total of 15 yards on seven carries, 2.1 yard average. They were doing a nice job of shutting it down, but then he broke that one. Again, those two guys are relentless. Uh, then you get to Kareem Hunt, and I think this is important. He was mad at himself. He was really mad of, about what happened on the goal line when he had three chances to punch it in and couldn't do it. And they took a touchdown away from him. They first called it a TD, uh, but then upon further review, his elbow was down short of the goal line. Uh, so they took that away from him. Uh, he was angry about that wasn't being able to make the yards that he wanted to, had a nine-yard loss at one point. So I think he was somewhat frustrated. He gets to the end there, and he was not going to be denied. Uh, And if you get a chance, listen to what Baker Mayfield said when I asked him to describe the hurdle. He had a funny answer about that, a a super super Mario answer about that. Uh, But Kareem Hunt, no way in heck. Was he not going to score there? So he atoned for what happened on the, on the goal line earlier, hurdled uh, number 21 of the Eagles after breaking. Uh, he, had the, he had his foot uh, in the grasp a little bit earlier on that run. And you know what? That's what you're just going to get with these two guys. I mean, you're going to get them feeding off of each other and just building upon what the other guy does. And that was an incredible sequence. Yeah. And, and again, it's just sort of the identity of this football team that, uh, you know, they're, this offense is going to win because they run the ball. You know, this is its old school kind of Cleveland Browns football as it gets, which I know a lot of fans love. And, uh, you know, there's probably a Baker Mayfield discussion here, but we'll save that for a later day. He, he really struggled today and, and missed some throws, including Austin Hooper in the end zone on that first drive. But, um, you know, the running game in the defense today is what got it done uh, for this football team. And I think for this defense too, to play like this, just to go back to them, to play like this, Force those turnovers. Denzel Ward was fantastic today. Um, you know, Taki Taki is going to get a lot of love. Olivia Vernon's going to get a lot of love. But Denzel Ward was outstanding today and, and deserves so much credit for kind of what he's, you know, we knew he was good, but kind of like Miles Garrett, he's kind of taken it to another level this year. The difference is the difference with Denzel is like Miles, we see those sacks over and over again. We don't, we, we maybe don't always see that great coverage from Denzel. It doesn't stand out as much as maybe a strip sack or something like that. Yeah, I think, you know, sometimes when when you uh, think about a cornerback, you think in terms of interceptions, that's sort of their calling card. And he hadn't been able to get those uh, this year, but he did get one in the end. Uh, and that really kind of thwarted any kind of a comeback there at the at the very end of the game uh, when he got that interception. So, uh, you know, that was good for him. But as you mentioned, he had other big plays, including on the blitz, where he hit Carson Wentz and forced him uh, to throw that interception on which Taki Taki got the uh, 50 yard pick six. So he made a huge contribution today. I think he's having a pro bowl caliber season. I really do. I don't don't know if he'll get the recognition because once again, he doesn't have the interceptions and a lot of times uh, guys look for that sort of thing. Uh, But if you just look for down for down, shutting down his side of the field, uh, he, he's having a, a tremendous season and he was a, a big part of today, especially when Ronnie Harrison was lost for more than half the game. Safety Ronnie Harrison went down with a knee injury. This could be big because he's been their savior at safety uh, up until today when he he was lost for, you know, three-fourths of this football game. Uh, so they really ne- did need other guys to step up, and, and Denzel Ward was one that really just held it down uh, without Ronnie there. And, and yeah, I mean, we, Ronnie Harrison is a very important piece to talk about. I, I tweeted this during the game. There's three guys I really trust on this defense right now. Miles is one, Denzel is the other. 
and Ronnie Harrison is the third. Uh, I mean, he's kind of earned that trust very quickly. And they had to do this today with Miles not even playing, Harrison getting hurt very early in the game. He tried to come back, but it was pretty clear. Uh, you know, he got beat by a tight end. I think it was Goddard. He got beat by the tight end. And then you could just see him limping around. Uh, so it was pretty clear that, that there was something going on. You hope it's not something long-term because they, they are going to need Ronnie Harrison moving forward over these next uh, six games at some point uh, to play safety. Absolutely. 100%. I mean, he was a reason that they were starting to feel really good uh, about the safety position in particular. And, you know, they needed one more guy uh, that, that could get the job done back there, because as you know, uh, the guys that were there just really weren't getting the job done and you just need it from that position in that, that part of the field, you need big plays, you need takeaways, uh, you need somebody that can uh, both play the run and the pass. And, and he's been doing that, all of those things, bringing a lot of energy. So to not have him, you know, hopefully for their sake, they will, uh, they will get him back. And that was nothing too, too serious. Um, because as you said, down the stretch, especially when they start to play a couple of, you know, good quarterbacks, uh, if they have to play Ben Roethlisberger, who even knows if they're going to have to play the uh, the Steelers starters in that in that last game? I mean, you know, you, you don't really know. Also, um, and especially with Baltimore losing today too, that's you know, yeah, got a four team, a four loss team, and a three loss team now in the in the division behind them. Yes, exactly. So, um, you know, so you need you, you need a guy like that, especially once they get into the playoffs too, and you know for sure you're going to be playing a good football team. You need a guy playing like Ronnie's been playing. Okay, Mary Kay, we will uh, we'll let you go. And uh, I know Scott has been lurking here, waiting to uh, to jump in. So we'll let you go. And uh, yeah, that'll do it. We'll uh, I'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye bye. All right. So there we go. The Browns, uh, twenty two to seventeen winners. Uh, an, an ugly football game for sure. Uh, but a win nonetheless. Uh, so, you know, like, like I said, you're seven and three, you're going into Thanksgiving, you are in the playoff picture. You are one of those seven teams. If you all want to jump on uh, all of you anxious folks who are ready to jump on video, if you want to jump on, we'll start taking questions and stuff here too. Uh, Scott, I want to bring you on though, right now. And just uh, I had it called up and then I toggled away from my, uh, I toggled away from my screen here. Uh, your headline, quick thoughts. And I thought this kind of summed it up. Browns mess with recipe for success and they still win. I think that's kind of the takeaway from this football game. I mean, there's other things, obviously, and we'll get into those things over the next 40, 45 minutes or so. And you can see that Doug is joining us as well. But uh, I thought that kind of summed up what this game was about. Yeah, the, the three the three steps here are, are, are score a lot of points, well, unleash Miles Garrett and get takeaways. And the last two weeks, they've had to make do with really just one of those because uh, the offense has not uh, been able to really get going in, in either of these last two games. And this week you don't even have miles Garrett. <clears throat> uh, so they really doubled down on the takeaways. And, you know, this was a really good game for the defense. Uh, they did what they had to do. I think, you know, you, you have to get pressure on the Eagles. Everybody gets pressures on the Eagles. So you have to do that. And, and it definitely paid off and you get the huge safety. So I think really that the defense just, that kept the Browns where they needed to be so that when Chubb and Hunt finally showed up to save the day, kind of <laughs> in the end with uh, really two runs, I mean, kind of won this and really sealed it for the Browns. Uh, but the defense had to get them to that point. Uh, and they did, you know, it, it's 
just like Baker just had to make three throws really last week. This week it was Chubb and Hunt kind of having to combine for two big runs. Whoops, there we go. I had somebody in here and I muted myself. I, uh, I, kind of, I called it with Mary Kay kind of an identity game for the Browns. Like Kevin Stefanski runs the football. And even with the Eagles stopping that run, he just kept handing the ball off to those guys and, and just kind of knew eventually somebody was going to break one. And uh, Chubb did it with, with the huge run and then Kareem Hunt with a, an exclamation point. Really his only significant play of the day, but an exclamation point uh, to finish things. And that's all the Browns needed. I think the other thing here too is kind of did what you were supposed to do against the Eagles on the defensive side. And that's take advantage of Carson Wentz when he, when he's doing whatever Carson Wentz does and force turnovers and get to him. I mean, sometimes it felt like he was sitting back there counting to five Mississippi waiting to throw the football. Well, you better get to him and get those safeties and get those sacks. And I think another thing that really worked in the Browns favor is the Eagles not really understanding what's working. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, Sanders and Scott uh, were were having all sorts of success running the ball in the first half. Uh, Wentz passed it nine times. In the second half, Sanders had five carries. Scott had zero. And, and Carson Wentz is passing it 26 times. And this game was not in a situation where they had to pass, really, until almost midway through the fourth quarter. Uh, so I think the Eagles really helped the Browns a little bit in, in that scenario because they were averaging like 5.7 yards of carry in the first half. Uh, you know, they were turning into the Raiders uh, from a few weeks ago where they had to run and they were having success, but then they just decided to stop. Yeah, Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz have certainly taken hits since 2017. That's for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, Doug Maurice is sitting here too. Uh, I know just waiting to say something. Doug, your initial thoughts on this one. My initial thoughts are, Dan, you picked the Eagles. I did. This is my initial thought. Carson Wentz sucks. And anyone whose pregame analysis of this game did not center on the fact that Carson Wentz sucks. Browns won the trade. Is that what this means? No, I'm serious. We did a whole thing on the podcast about who won the trade. We forgot to factor in the fact the Browns don't have to have Carson Wentz on their team. That's a win in and of itself. My God, Carson Wentz sucks. And whatever you thought, Miles Garrett's not in the game. He's horrendous he's been horrendous the whole year Doug Peterson and that I don't know who the offensive coordinator is they have no idea how to call a game so that's I I I want us to absorb this because the Eagles are gone they won't play him again for six years who cares about the Eagles can we say this in our future evaluations of Baker Mayfield he doesn't suck as bad as Carson Wentz that's what a quarterback who sucks looks like I know Baker's inconsistent Baker will have a great throw and then a terrible throw. He'll make a great decision and a bad decision. Carson Wentz does nothing but terrible things. He's atrocious. He is murdering his football team. So whenever you get frustrated with Baker Mayfield, I want you to go back to this game, and I want you to envision a ball floating in the air and Sione Takitaki running underneath it and think to yourself, at least Baker Mayfield didn't do that. That's the analysis of this game. That guy is a mess. I don't know what they're going to do, but we knew that guy was a mess. He sucked before he got here. He sucked while he was here, and he sucked as they're getting on the bus to fly out of Cleveland. That was a joke, and we should have seen it coming. 
I hope the bar of Baker Mayfield, though, is not going to be better than Carson. Well, slightly no, but, better than Carson Wentz. Well, we usually talk about like the, the 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 bar for Baker Mayfield is Patrick Mahomes. So let's just have let's admit that it's somewhere between Patrick Mahomes. But let's not forget that the Carson Wentzes of the world exist because they do, and they murder football teams. Well, we're going to have some time to talk about Baker here today. Um, so uh, let's uh, let's talk about non Carson Wentz stuff here, Doug. Give me some non-Carson Wentz takeaways from this game. I thought Olivier Vernon, when you have a guy who's a big-time salary dude who's been to Pro Bowls and he hasn't really done it, and on a day when Miles Garrett is gone, it's like, hey, where's our, where's our Pro Bowl defensive end? It's like he's right there. He's Olivier Vernon. And I know Mary Kay has talked all year. He's not healthy. He's not healthy. This is one of the things. Him being good today doesn't mean that he has been good. But he was really good today. And when they needed him, he showed up. And part of me is like, how come you're better when there's no Miles Garrett? I almost wanted to ask him that. But if he's just getting healthy, right, and he's going to start doing this, holy moly, we've been waiting for like, what if you paired a guy with Miles Garrett? What would happen? Pair that guy? Olivier Vernon like did that today. If he does that in the next six games, again, that's like next level stuff for this defense. So I just, I think it's a reminder of what still is out there for this team. They still haven't played their best game. They have not played their best game, but today where there were a few more components in that game today, my gosh, Denzel Ward, number one corner. He's a number one corner, no doubt about it. And you can just see things coming together. I'm still waiting for it though. I'm still waiting for it all together. These were, these were pieces of it today. But there's more out there for this team. They're seven and three and trending the right way. Uh, if you want to jump in, make sure you use that raise hand feature. You can also use the chat. Uh, if you don't know where raise hand is, you can click on participants on the bottom and it'll bring up a little panel over to the side and uh, you should have a raise hand button uh, over there. Or you can jump in the chat. Uh, I've seen a couple people um, come in here. I, I, ooh, I, see a, I see Doug's name in all caps. So let's see. Uh, let, let's see what I got here. Uh, Alex Santos. Oh, he didn't have Doug's name in all caps. He had something else in all caps. But he uh, he says, whenever I start to feel bad about anything, I just need, need Doug to go on a rant. Well, there you go. <laughs> that is not a guy that leaves a review on our podcast. You should go leave some reviews yeah. on our podcast. <laughs> it's easier to rant when they're seven and three. When you pick them to go 12 and four and they win six games, it's harder to rant about the Browns. But this is good so far. <laughs> well, okay. So so let's do this now. Because Shannon just said in, in, the, uh, in the chat, I feel Baker was not as bad as maybe talked about today. Definitely a couple throws that should be made overall. He made some good throws today. I, I mean, you know, I don't know how much there is to say about Baker in this game. It really felt like after those early throws, this game was a little bit about minimizing Baker. I think there were a couple throws we might look back on and say, oh, that, that was a pretty good throw, the throw to Hooper. Uh, not obviously the missed touchdown throw to Hooper, but he had another throw to Hooper that was pretty good. Um, you know, there was a throw to Higgins uh, that, that I liked, but I don't know. It's hard to just sit here and, you know, pick throw by throw. I didn't think Baker was great today, but the Browns kind of found a way to minimize uh, the, the quarterback on a day when it was, again, the conditions weren't great. It wasn't windy at all, but it was still rainy, and I think it was tough to throw the football. You can say the same things about Baker Mayfield just about every week, right? Right. You know, he, uh, I mean, he made some throws, and, you know, he made some of which he had back, and, that's pretty much been Baker Mayfield this season outside of, you know, a couple uh, really high quality spurts, you know, against the Bengals and Colts. Uh, but that's, that's what Baker Mayfield is on this team. And I think the fact that they don't get caught up in trying to put everything on his shoulders when the running game isn't working is a credit to Stefanski and that he knows that even if he just keeps at it, eventually that running game is going to get what he needs from it. You know, uh, you don't want to keep, 
putting it on Baker's shoulders to have to make plays. Um, so, so that was important today. I think once they finally got into situations where uh, they were using some play action, that's when he was at his best. He made some of his biggest throws like that. Um, but overall, this is, I mean, you know, we're going to look back and try to figure out what we saw out of Baker Mayfield this year. And this is what we're going to be talking at the end of the year about. It's these games like this, they're, they're going to be mostly this, where it's, you know, he, he, he wasn't really bad. He wasn't really good. He's probably, you know, C plus B minus territory. If you're grading him, ideally you want him to have a touchdown throw and he probably should have had one today, but he didn't throw any interceptions. And that's at the end of the day, probably the, the biggest part of this. I mean, he's inconsistent. I hope we figured that out by now. He's inconsistent. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's part of who he is right now, but that's why I think you have to have some optimism for the future. So there's some things that if you just, this is good, then get rid of this. And the two misses in the end zone, to the tight ends. I mean, that's a bad sequence, right? I mean, that's, that costs them. They don't get in the end zone there. They don't get in on fourth down and Baker on one of those should have had a touchdown throw and he didn't, but he wasn't, he wasn't giving the ball away. I'm not, I'm even trying to think, did he have many throws even that were in one that was almost picked early. Okay. Um, But he did. I mean, he ripped a couple of the one down the to Hodge down the sideline, you know, when he was open, he took advantage of it. The deep shot, you know, maybe you, t- maybe you hit that deep shot in stride and it's a touchdown, but they made it. He didn't overthrow it, right? So, I mean, I thought, you know, I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was pretty good. It was wet. He didn't turn it over throwing it. The fumble was rough. You'd like to see him hold on to that ball, but that was a rare turnover now. He hadn't turned it over in a couple games. So, again, the other side of it, man, I mean, it's hard to play quarterback sometimes. And I think every now and then it's a nice reminder of everybody to – to realize that it is hard to play quarterback because there's some guys out there who make it look easy. I don't know if Baker will ever make it look easy, but I thought he played fairly winning football today. Yeah. And and I think, you know, the contrast, the real contrast here is the Browns and Kevin Stefanski really schemed around him. So like the throw to Kadero Hodge, right. You know, I watched that play and I thought that's a Kevin Stefanski play right there. Bootleg Kadero Hodge, the Eagles lost him. He's wide open. And, and Baker finds him, you know, Kadero Hodge is not winning one-on-one matchups with DBs, but they found a way to get him open. They found a way to get Baker in a spot where he can make the throw. And, and it just feels like sort of what we're talking about. The Browns know who they have at quarterback and they know how to make him be successful in the spots he needs to be successful. in. Uh, what does that mean? Long-term we'll, we'll figure it out. They've got some time to figure it out, but they're, they're kind of learning how to play with Baker Mayfield as their quarterback with his inconsistencies and, some of his flaws, things like that. Scott, I accidentally muted you here when I was letting somebody in, just so you know, I might've done the same to Doug. Um, But, you know, they're learning to kind of scheme around those things and give him opportunities uh, to to make some plays. And I thought, you know, I know there was some frustration out there from fans on Twitter uh, about Stefanski and, and how he was approaching this game early. I thought this was honestly a pretty good game from him, especially when they did start to scheme some stuff open for Baker in in the passing game. I have said this before. I I think it's true. I think it's true for us on this podcast. I think it's true for the fan base to to some degree. We're so unaccustomed to covering a winning team. We don't exactly know how to do it yet. And I think if you have a superstar quarterback, if you have Patrick Mahomes, everything's about Patrick Mahomes. You get a bunch of fast guys and then you just win by Mahomes thing. Right. And there are the teams that Tom Brady is going to be Tom Brady, wherever he goes, you just let Tom Brady beat Tom Brady. If you do not have a superstar quarterback, I think this is how you win. And by me, by, by, I, by that, I mean, 
a million different ways. Sometimes it's the defense. Sometimes it's the run game. Sometimes the quarterback makes a couple good throws. Sometimes the play calling is conservative. Sometimes it's aggressive. Like this is just what it is. And I feel like sometimes we come on here and we're looking for like season long themes. And I got a season long theme for you. Seven wins. That's your theme. Honestly. I mean, I don't, uh, this is this is how it goes. And if we were watching another winning team, I don't know, pick a random winning team. It's hard because a lot of the winning teams do have superstar quarterbacks. But random winning team X, I bet you they look like this too. Sometimes the coach drives you nuts. Most of the time he's pretty good. The quarterback does this. He doesn't do that. I, I just, and, you know, fingers crossed, this is what the next five, eight, ten, who knows? Maybe at least two or three years of Browns football looks like. And we just have to get used to it. And sometimes a win's just a win. And I think there have been maybe more than, you know, more than their fair share of games like this year where a win is just a win. But, man, stacking seven of them in the first ten games is pretty darn good. Yeah, they're and, two and, and they, one in their oh. bad weather trilogy, you know. And that They come out of this in those three games where nothing really happened the way they drew it up or nothing happened the way things worked during that four-game winning streak. But they still came out of that with a winning record. And now you go into some really good weather, you're assuming, where maybe you can get that offense back on track. So they're at a point now where, I mean, how many times over the past decade have we seen the Browns lose games like this where, uh, you know, they they come away thinking, man, if this or that had gone our way, you know, then then you win. And uh, you're in a situation where you need to score and kick an, uh, get an onside kick at the end of the game. But the last two weeks, that's been the Eagles and the Texans who have been in those situations and not the Browns. And that's progress. And I will and remind I, I will remind people very quickly there is a team in this division with an excellent head coach, a boatload of defensive talent they added during the season, and their quarterback's the reigning MVP, and they wish they were seven and three. And uh, you know, I'll 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 say this. What Doug, you mentioned it. I, I picked the Eagles in this game. I I kind of took my shot because you know I, I've said it in the NFL, you lose games you're supposed to win. It happens. Every single team loses games. You're supposed to win at some point. There's still a chance. I don't think this team's not going to lose to Jacksonville. This team's not going to lose to, uh, to the jets. You know, the giants are feisty. I mean, maybe the Browns have kind of cleared it. Maybe they've just managed to win those games where, you know, you kind of circle it, you know, maybe it was supposed to be the Texans and then Deshaun Watson can't throw the ball and you figure out a way to win an an ugly game there. I don't know. Maybe the Browns are going to escape this season you know, without doing that. But, you know, I, I give credit to this team because in the past, the Browns lose that game in Cincinnati and they didn't do it in the past. Maybe they figure out a way to lose that game to the Texans. They certainly had opportunities. I mean, there were even opportunities to lose this football game, but they managed to force a fumble inside the five yard line. They get their running game going just enough. You know, it, it, it's a real credit to this coaching staff that they haven't this team has just sort of done what they're supposed to do every single week. And there's a good argument to be made that this team is very lucky this season too. Yeah. I think the point differential points to that and just the situations where you've met some of these teams, who's been available for those teams, everything's just kind of fallen their way uh, in, in, in some key victories. I'm not going to disagree with that, but I'm going to make sure we don't think that's different than what happens in the league every week. Right. Everybody, because you know, who's lucky the teams that face the Browns when they didn't have Nick Chubb, you know, who's lucky the teams that face the Browns, you know, who's lucky the Raiders when miles Garrett played 30 snaps instead of 60 snaps, you know, who's lucky the teams that are facing the Browns when their $15 million deep threat is out for the year. They're lucky too. I think if we really go through and I get it, 
the Redskins, the, the Washington defense had a bunch of injuries that week. Darius Leonard not playing the Colts game was a big deal. I agree with you, Scott. There are things we could go through. If we want to play the luck balance, we want to do the luck balancing act. I still say from an injury standpoint, there has been more bad injury luck for the Browns this year than good injury luck and their opponents being hurt. OBJ's done. OBJ's done for the year. And the best defensive player in the NFL has COVID. And the best running back in the NFL was out for a month. So if we want to talk luck, I'm not disagreeing, but I want to make sure we talk about it in the full context. Yeah. I mean, you're right. And look, there, there's not a league, There's not a professional league out there where the schedule plays more of a role than in the NFL. It, it's just how it is. Cause there's no balanced schedule. There's no, and guess what? The Steelers are playing the same schedule as the Browns with two exceptions. Ravens are playing the same schedule as the Browns with two exceptions. So you know, that's how it works in, in your division. You're playing essentially the same schedule and the Browns have been able to take advantage of it this year. They get to play the NFC East and they're going to take advantage of it. They haven't lost to an NFC East team yet. Uh, they're going to have a chance to beat the giants right around Christmas time. So take advantage of it. And again, after years and years, we've seen that this team has failed to do that at times. Um, Olivier Vernon called last season, a wasted year today. And I think that's all how we all felt about it. They went six and 10 with a ton of talent. Well, this year they're, they're seven and three. So, so they deserve credit. Uh, going into the, the schedule last year, the schedule last year killed him. And Freddie Kitchens didn't get to keep his job because the schedule was hard. So again, I just want to do the balance of like, yeah, the schedule's easy. They went six and 10 last year. Olivier Vernon in the post game today didn't say we wasted talents last year because the schedule was hard because we got Nick Bosa and Russell Wilson and Sean McVay and Kyler Murray. And we had to play those guys last year. So this is how it works. Somebody has to play the NFC East this year. And I don't think the Browns have to apologize that it happens to be their division. No, absolutely not. Absolutely. Look, the Browns don't have to apologize if they're playing a game the second weekend of January. It doesn't matter who they play. It sometimes it feels like, like we act like they should somehow apologize. This is winning football. (laughs) This is what it is. No, you, I mean, do you, don't you ever feel that the post game? We pick it apart sometimes. I don't know about Baker. He didn't do this on the defense about this. Well, the run game didn't happen in the second half. This is how football games take shape. Most of the time you don't come out and take a 21, nothing lead the first three drives. I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I'm misreading the vibe. I feel like sometimes with the fan base, with the media, that that's the vibe. Sometimes I, they are not, they have not backed into seven and three. I promise you that they have not lucked into seven and three. This is a real, legit 7-3. and three. It's probably the best Browns team since they came back. And if there's, it's, this is what the NFL is, and we just don't recognize it because, frankly, the Browns haven't actually been part of the NFL for the last two decades. Well, that's sort of part of our job, too, though, right? I mean, it's kind of boring if we just say, ah, oh, the Browns beat the Eagles. See you next no. week. No, but but part of our job is to turn a critical eye on things, you know, win or lose. I agree. That's what the Browns are doing as well. I mean, they're going to watch this tape tonight and tomorrow, and they're going to turn a critical eye on this. I understand what you're saying, Doug, but I do think, you know, the only the only pushback I would have is that, you know, it is kind of our job over the course of 16 games to to be able to look critically, even in good times. Yeah, I mean, fans should be happy that they're seven and three fans should be happy with the win no matter what. But I think if your job is to look at the big picture, which, you know, we often have to do, you're, you're looking at it a little more critically, like Dan said, and you're looking at how they win and what's sustainable and what's, 
likely to happen the next week when they play somebody better with better weather, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but you're, you're right too, Doug. I mean, seven and three, I'm not saying that they've lucked into this record at all, but I do think there are definitely things you can point to that have fallen in their favor this season that helped them get to seven and three. Um, but I'm not and taking I, it away from them. No, no I, 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 but I also think if they had the, a, they're in a good division. Not everybody has the Ravens and the Steelers in their division. If they were in the NFC East, the Browns would be undefeated. I mean, I don't really mean that because they'd be playing. <laughs> but honestly. So That's the headline okay, of the pod now. <laughs> they're in a good division, and their three, arguably their three best players have all missed games this year. So, again, I'm just going to repeat the same thing. It goes – it's all the way around. But I do think – I think we I think we can overanalyze because I think we can overanalyze in the extent of, well, if they played the Chiefs, and Pat's like, they don't play the Chiefs most weeks. You don't. You don't play the Chiefs most weeks. This is what most of the NFL looks like. Honestly, how many teams in this league are slam dunk better than the Browns? No doubt about it. You go into a Sunday and you think to yourself, eh, I don't really think they have a chance. How many? Four? Oh, we got some. All right. We got on their schedule or overall. No, in the league, 32 teams. I see four from somebody. I think Alex, were you holding up eight, Alex? I couldn't tell. Okay. Alex, tell me eight. eight. Tell me the eight teams that you would say the Browns don't have a chance to beat. There's no way it's eight. All right. Hold on here. Hold on here. I'm I'm not saying one way or the other, honestly. I just want to start. uh, I want to look at this. All right. I I think the Browns have a chance to beat anybody. I mean, well, I, I know. the Steelers, you, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, I'd like to see the Browns play the Steelers with their full offense, uh, you know, because they didn't have Chubber Teller in that game. This is like uh, this is like the college football playoff committee. There's a pot yeah. idea. Let's do a college football playoff committee. So, right, in the AFC, you got Kansas City. Um, Scott pushed back a little bit on Pittsburgh, but I still think, right, you'd say Pittsburgh is at least better than them. Yeah, they're definitely right? favored, sure. The okay, Packers? So. The Bucks. Uh, hold on. I mean, we can't say Tennessee anymore. Um, I don't think you can say – I mean, Buffalo Buffalo would be favored, but you can't say that you'd feel great about that. Uh, you know, I still need to see it against Baltimore. I know Baltimore is struggling right now, but I still need to see it against Baltimore. So I would put them – I would say ahead. six teams because I'm not sure about the Saints yet. I haven't seen what they look like with without Drew Brees. Uh, right. I, at this point. I would say the Saints and Packers um, – Seattle, but yeah. Doug's saying, what's a slam dunk? Seattle. Yeah, I mean, if we're Doug lost, and I don't, I, I mean, this is the NFL. I, I wouldn't say that for the Browns against anybody. I mean, you know, I guess it's the way you have to look at it, right? Like, so Seattle, you can certainly look at Seattle and see their flaws, but you can also close your eyes and see Russell Wilson putting up 60 on this defense. So <laughs> the Browns, almost, the Browns of, almost beat Seattle last year. Seattle isn't as good as they were last year, and the Browns are better than they were last year. I'm just saying. This, Brown, this Browns defense, though, I'm just telling Russell Wilson will put up 40 on this Browns defense with his eyes closed. Seattle's defense sucks too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd That's be a high scoring game. They do. But I'm uh, just, I, my point is most teams have flaws. That's my main point. The Browns are a good team that aren't perfect. And I just think whenever our analysis moves away from the starting point is they are a good team with a really good record who has earned this record. And then they're not perfect. And yes, they, you want them not to just make the playoffs, but win a playoff game. But I'm just telling you, man, there's a lot of bad football out there on some Sundays, and, and the Browns are playing some pretty good football. Well, listen, I mean, look at the team they just beat. I mean, that's – yeah, you'd rather be the Browns than that team, right? I mean, there's plenty of teams you're going to be able to say that about. Um, but, 
you know, I guess it's about kind of figuring out if we're, if we're going through and figuring out where this team is, they're sort of where they've been over the last month or month and a half. They're just, they're kind of in the middle here. And these last couple wins have put them towards the top, I guess, of the middle, if, if you want to call it that. And that's okay. You're seven and three. You're probably going to make the playoffs. I, I personally right now can't see a scenario where this team doesn't make the playoffs. I agree with that. Shy of a shy of a horrible injury or something like that, but yeah, normal yeah. stuff. I agree with you. If, if like Miles isn't Miles when he comes back or, right. or something like you know, I could see that having some long term effects. But um, yeah, I, I just don't see a scenario with their remaining schedule. Even if they lose to Pittsburgh, lose to Baltimore, and you know maybe even lose to Tennessee, I, didn't, I don't see a scenario where this team doesn't make the playoffs. They're seven and three. I'm not so sure they're not better than five of the six teams left on their schedule right now. And I know pushback on Baltimore. I get it. But go watch Baltimore and Tennessee lately and ask me, are you sure they're better than the Browns? And, and a month ago, we would have said, sure, we're sure they are. And they have three easy ones and three tough ones left. I think they have three, two super easy ones. The Giants have shown a little life. So the two super easy ones, three that are between very winnable and kind of winnable and a really tough one. So anyway, 12 and four. I think, I think Shannon thinks I just jinxed the Browns. <laughs> the way this season is going, but the Baltimore game, that's going to be the one game the Browns win by a blowout. It's just the way, this, <laughs> right. the, way the NFL works. That's the game that, where it happens. Fine. On Monday night, you just roll out and win by 25. I, I will say this. I think they have not come close to playing their best, most complete offense and defense game. Do, would you guys agree with that? And I, I'm not asking you to say, hey, no, what about this game? Because it's hard to remember. There's 10 whole games. But do you generally agree with that? Or do you feel like, no, I've seen the good Browns kind of all together for 60 minutes at some point? I, wa- I mean, if you're talking both sides of the football, I would wonder if we're going to see that. Like we're what's, both what's sides a complete of the game for this defense? What's that? What's a complete game for the defense? Miles yeah. going crazy. And the other miles going crazy, Denzel being Denzel and the other nine guys being average while that happens, not being horrible. So that there aren't like two blown coverages that lead to touchdowns mixed in with a strip sack that there's like decent, solid defense with Denzel being Denzel and miles going crazy. And like Olivier Vernon playing like today. I mean, is that, that's not, I th- that's out there to me. I think that's out there. I mean, I'm not asking Sandejo to play at a pro bowl level. <laughs> He's probably going to tackle the ref to make a point and get a 30-yard penalty because he's trying to be a tough guy because he knows everybody in the league thinks he shouldn't be on the field. So I get that. you got to bake that in too. But I think there's a just don't be awful behind Miles and let Miles be Miles. And then I, I think there is a Baker, really good Baker, like first half of the Colts, last three quarters against the Bengals with the full run game with Chubb, Hunt, and Teller, I think like all that is out there. And I don't know that we've really seen that because I feel like right oh, when yeah, Baker, Baker started to get it a little bit was when Chubb got hurt. And so we have it. And now since we've had Chubb and, and the new Baker, the better Baker back together, we've had the goofy weather. So I think you know, that's out there. I mean, I'll tell you what, if we're going to see it, we're going to see it in Jacksonville. I mean, there, there's no reason this team shouldn't just be able to do whatever they want to next week. If they want to go out and run for 400 yards next week, They'll, they'll go run for four. There's no reason they shouldn't be able to go out next week and just do whatever they want. I mean, if you're looking, if you need to spend your Thanksgiving raking leaves on a Sunday or something, go do it next week because there's the Browns should be able to make that game incredibly boring in their favor. And frankly, if they don't, if they lose that game, you don't want to watch it anyway. I, I just, you know, maybe next week's the game you circle where they do kind of put it all together. 
Yeah, because that game's like that's a thirty to thirteen game, or like a complete Browns game on both sides of the ball. That's what that score probably is. And so, yeah, Jacksonville or the Jets, I think, are the two uh, best opportunities to do that. Not that they can't do that against someone else, but I think if you don't see it in those two games, you're probably not going to see it this year. But As, but here's here's why I would think maybe it's it's going to be hard to see it. Um, we talked about Baker's inconsistency, right? So you don't know really what you're going to get from him week to week. So you're going to have games where he's not very good and the run game puts up 200 yards. And this defense, I know the defense was really good today. I, I, I don't want to take away from the great performance from this defense, but I still just do not trust this defense when they go against a real, like somebody who's not Carson Wentz or when the wind isn't 60 degree or 60 miles per hour. Um, I, I just, I don't know that we're going to see a lot of performances like this from this defense. And so I, I just don't know if, I don't know if there's going to be a week where it all comes together because a lot of those elements outside of we're going to line up and just pound Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I don't know how much consistency there are. And of course, Miles Garrett is going to be great every week, but I, I don't know if there's that consistency across the board on both sides of the ball, that it's all going to come together. Just it's going to happen. Maybe it does. Maybe it all does align randomly, but I don't think there's any reason to believe that like, yes, we're absolutely going to see that perfect game. This is everybody agrees. This is a better team this season than last season. Has this team this year played a game as good as when the Browns went to Baltimore and won last year? Like, I don't know that they have, right? Probably we haven't. Not. I mean, that was great. I mean, the freaking Ravens went 14 and two last year and that was one of their losses. That's like that. Like, that's what I'm talking about. Like, what if that happened? I mean, like, I like, they could do it to Tennessee. They could like, oh, the miles gets after, you know, like I just think I, I understand what you're saying, Dan, that there's a lot of moving pieces and there's only so many sure things on this team, but I still am holding out the belief that we are going to see it at some point. And I think when we all do see it, a lot of people, maybe more nationally than Cleveland, because I think Browns fans know what they have here. I think people might be like, oh, shoot, man, I didn't I didn't know that <laughs> about the Browns. And it's like, yeah, it's kind of been here the whole time. It's just been sporadic and inconsistent, but I think it's there, and I think we're going to see it. The only game this year that I think came close to possibly being that game was the Cowboys before the Cowboys came roaring back in the fourth quarter, because that was 41-14 yeah. to 14 at one point. Uh, so that is probably as close as they've gotten. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that. And it also felt like they were going to lose that game, the way things yeah. were going. It, like, uh, but the first three quarters of that, Scott, I think you make a very good point for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So I, I guess I, I Hayden was saying something here. Let me get to uh, Hayden. You had your hand raised. I don't know why you, did, why you put it down. We want you to jump in here. Uh, he's asking, has the defense gotten over the hump? So we've danced around this a little bit. I mean, how do we feel about this defense long-term? Do we trust it more? After these last three games, are we still? I mean, I've I've made it pretty clear. I'm still nervous about this defense. Um, but but are you guys feeling better about this defense, especially if Miles Garrett is back? Let's say against Tennessee, and you know he's got his legs under him. There's no lingering effects from from this. Do you guys feel better about this defense now than you might have earlier in the year? Uh, is Ronnie Harrison on the field too? Yeah, that's, I think that's got a me big worried. key. That's got me worried uh, too. I mean it's hard to really to judge this really anything about this team over the last three games, but uh, I think maybe we'll know better after that Jacksonville game. Once we get this team back in situations where weather isn't helping them in some way, as far as the defense goes, uh, I'm not, yeah, I'm with you, Dan. I, I don't trust the defense. I just, they, for the first time in what three games, they had takeaways today, which was huge. Uh, but that's, that's tough to live off that. 
So yeah, I'm, I'm not ready to say I, I trust them. They really rely on takeaways. And that's yeah. tough. That's a hard way to live. We know that it's kind of a plan by them and it's not coincidental. Some of it, I thought, I don't know that the takeaway and the, you know, the first Philadelphia fumble today, I don't, I don't know that that was like a, a, a incredible play by the defense or something. Sometimes guys I, th- I think it was a good play though. I, I think that was a good play by there's some debate as to who caused it. Cause I thought it was Jordan Elliott, but in the game book, they gave it to Malvo. Elliott celebrated like it was him, right? Yeah. I think like, that's an, I think it's an error, but I, I mean, I, I think that they deserve credit for that one, but either the linebackers still make you nervous. You know, I mean, I think uh, they made a couple decent plays on the ball in the air today. Mitchell made a play in the end zone on a ball in the air that right. That sort of knocked away the, the one that Mac Wilson initially was ruled an interception. Denzel's great. I just don't know. This feels like a new world to me. If a Vernon plays like this the rest of the year, I don't know that we've seen that Vernon plus Miles Garrett, and that opens up a ton of stuff. So I'd be curious to see that. Yeah, let's see. Somebody somebody in the chat here. Game by This is Shannon. Game by game with the defenses here. Happy when doing good, but the route will be shaky. Uh, per, the hump, per se, will have to come next year. And listen, Ronnie Harrison, I, I'm pretty excited about that pairing. If you're going to have Ronnie Harrison and Grant Delpit at safety, or I don't know, maybe you're going to use one of those guys. I mean, I know Delpit was going to have a lot of different roles this year. Uh, and, and that's sort of what Ronnie Harrison's been doing now. But, you know, I, I like that combo a lot. I'm really excited about it. Hopefully this Harrison injury is not something that's going to linger for, for very long or keep him out for too, too long. They're going to have an MRI uh, on Monday on it. We'll, we'll know more then, but um, I'm excited about that. You have miles Garrett to build around. You have Denzel Ward to build around. So I think long-term, especially with the assets this team has and, and how complete the offense feels to this point, you're going to build something on the defensive end. I just don't think it's there yet. We, we might have to wait until next season to really kind of see what this coaching staff and this front office's vision is for their defense. I mean, I'll be mildly surprised if any linebacker other than Jacob Phillips is back next year. I don't, I mean, that, that needs like an overhaul. Yeah, unless it's even, like even a talkie talkies yeah. pick today, which by the way, mark down where you were when that happened, you'll, you'll <laughs> want to tell your grandkids that talkie talkie made a play in coverage. Like I think the Browns <laughs> just try to hide him, you know, in a closet somewhere when it's, passing downs. He, he's just not in coverage very much at all. So that was a huge play for him catching a ball like that in the rain. Um, that's not going to happen often. So, but I, that really needs an overhaul. And I think you're right with Harrison and Delpit. I think that's a decent way to start next year at, at safety. I'm just trying to think I'm sitting here thinking about my headline for what does the shakiest 12 and four season in NFL history mean for the Browns future? Shaky Browns go 12 and four, lose an AFC championship game. How good are they really? I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> um, but listen, I mean, honestly, it's one of those things. And again, it's like we, we know when it's happening in front of us because we, we cover this team every day. It makes me think a little bit about like Tennessee, right? I mean, Tennessee went nine and seven last year, right? And they wind up in the AFC championship game. They kind of hit on something in the second half of the year. They run the ball. They do a couple things, right? They're not perfect. And now we thought they were good coming into this year. Turns out they're okay, right? They're, they're good, but they're probably really no better than the Browns. And they got to the AFC championship game last year. I'm not so sure they were any better than this Browns team last year when they got to the AFC championship game. And they like figured out something against Lamar, in the playoffs, right? I mean, like that's, so I, I'm not trying to say the Browns are, I'll say it. The Browns are going to the SC championship game. I'll just say it. Nobody <laughs> else will say it. I'll say it. But like, that's what I'm, <laughs> that's what I mean. That Tennessee was far from a perfect football team, but they knew who they were. They did a couple things. Well, they got hot at the right time and they made the AFC championship game. 
I think that's the, I don't think that's a, a moonshot upside for the Browns. That's the ceiling. That's the ceiling for sure. But it's just a reminder again, you don't, sometimes you don't have to be perfect to win a lot of games and do some cool stuff. Tennessee's an, uh, a, a good example because, and then you, you hit on this, Doug, they knew who they were and they won the matchup game, right? They, they ran into a team in New England that they matched up great against and they knocked them out and sent Tom Brady to Tampa. Um, you know, they, they ended up matching up really well against Baltimore. And, and let's be honest, we still haven't seen the Ravens do it in the playoffs. So, you know, until they do, they're going to have to carry that around with them. So, yeah, I mean, sometimes that's what it's about. Sometimes it's, it's about kind of who you are and getting the right matchup. That's how it works. So, you know, I'm not going to say the Browns are going to the AFC championship game, but I, I mean, I won't complain if they do. So, so it's okay if I take that story then? Yes. How the Browns can follow the Titans' path to the AFC Championship game. All right, you'll see that headline on Cleveland.com this week. That, is, <laughs> that one is uh, definitely all yours um, for that one. I, I was going to make another point, and now I completely forgot what it was. Um, a- Alex had something. Alex is not feeling the Olivier Vernon uh, love here today. I can tell you that. He says the Vernon was a re- that Vernon pl- uh, play was a result of the horrible Philadelphia line. Lots of dollar signs. Uh, and then he says he could have caught that Taki Taki interception. So, uh, so he's got well, that. There's something, to, there's something to the argument about Vernon because he's not just going to be able to bull rush everybody. And he got away with that today, uh, you know, even on the, on the safety. So, I mean, this line is bad. And that's why every team they played except for one has had at least three sacks against them. That's why Wentz well, was sacked 35 times before today. Um, yeah, they had – if the Browns came away from this game without somebody getting multiple sacks, I think that would have been kind of shocking. Find something you love in life as much as Carson Wentz loves holding onto the ball. He, t- he, t- he takes possession very seriously. They want to control possession. He takes that serious. I did feel like he was just sitting back there letting the defense count to like five Mississippi, like just old school backyard football. It was just an absolute disaster. He's so bad. He's so bad. He is an atrocious NFL quarterback right now. What a mess. Like I said all week, they have they they are a mess wearing Super Bowl rings. So God bless them. They got what they wanted, but they are a mess. Yeah, for sure. Oh, here here's what I wanted to say and kind of going back to Doug's point a little bit here. Um you, you made the joke about you know, a 12 and four team in the AFC championship game, what's wrong with them, whatever. Um, but, but it kind of made me think a little bit about that 2007 Browns team that went 10 and six against an easy schedule. And I think the thing that we can do is we can point at kind of that. And we all sort of knew at the time that fe- that felt a little bit fluky and that felt a little bit like eh, Derek Anderson, you know, Jamal Lewis is kind of old They're playing a bunch of easy teams. This does that you know, wherever the Browns end up this year, this feels like, unlike that 2007 season, which yes, we have to go back that far to reference a team like this one. This feels like it's building something. That 2017 felt like lightning in a bottle. I I think we can, can definitely say that no matter what you want to say schedule, you know, shaky quarterback play, you know, the defense isn't great, whatever. This is a football team that at least is building towards something. And, it's really hard to not feel good about this head coach. That's for sure. I keep coming away from games just thinking that specifically. It's really hard to not feel good about this head coach and what he does every single week. 
Yeah, I agree. I, I don't think of, I don't remember the schedule that year, but I do know that they just kind of failed upwards in, you know, <laughs> starting out with Charlie Fry and then Anderson takes over and then they're off and running. And it, it was, it was a season that like nobody saw coming. And I think the fact that it fell flat the next year proved that there wasn't sustainability there with what was going on. It was Derek Anderson having the season of his life and that was it. And I don't feel that way about this team at all. It's this team has a plan and uh, you know, whether they get to the AFC championship game or not, I think you're still going to come away from the season feeling better about the coming year. Whereas back then you're like, did that really happen? Is this, did they really find their guy? Is Derek Anderson the man? We didn't know. And, and Dan, I'm not on all the calls with the players every week like, like you are, so you hear this more. But it does feel like there are times when players will just sort of say things about Stefanski, maybe even unprompted, that make you think, okay, well, we think schematically it's good. We think, like, from a poise thing, like he's not he's, – he's, like, handles himself well. But it, it, you do get the sense a little bit, right, that these guys kind of like this dude and believe in what's happening around them, don't they? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and look, it's hard in this kind of Zoom world where we're, you know – if we could be in that locker room every day, we'd have a really good sense for this team. But I, I really don't think it would change kind of how good you feel about what Stefanski's done uh, and where this, the trajectory of, of where this team is going, because yeah, I mean, you do, you do just hear good things from these players uh, about what's happening here. And listen, it helps that you're out to a seven and three start because it's basically just calmed everything. There's no, there's no complaining. There's no like, Oh my God, I can't believe this team is, three and four, you know, whatever, four and six winning calms the waters for the most part. And, you know, ask Mike Pettin, winning calms the waters, but even going back to that year, this just feels so much more sustainable than that in part, as Scott has pointed out, because you don't have number two sitting on the bench waiting to come in and torpedo everything. All right. I think that's it. I think we're good. We've gone for about an hour here. So I got to let everybody go and, and get back to work. Uh, that'll do it for this Browns post game show. I appreciate everybody jumping in here. You were a quiet bunch today, just hanging out in the chat, but I'm glad I got to see some of you. If you want to be a part of this post game show live, all you got to do is sign up for football insider. You head to cleveland.com slash Browns and click on the blue banner up at the top of the page. And also make sure you're subscribed because like I said, seven podcasts every week, yeah, this week might be a little bit thinner with the holiday, but we'll still have plenty of podcasts coming your way to get you through that long Thanksgiving weekend. And something to listen to while you're bored just watching the Browns thump Jacksonville uh, next Sunday. So for... Uh... <laughs> That's the plan. Their win will be so boring you can listen to the Orange and Brown talk during the game. <laughs> just go through the feed. You can go back months and months and, and just listen to what we've talked about. Uh, and old takes expose us if you want to. Yeah. <laughs> All right. For Doug, Scott, Mary Kay, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.